Hello and welcome to the Daily Zen Podcast. My name is Charlie Ambler, creator of Daily Zen. Daily Zen lives at twitter.com slash dailyzen, thedailyzen.org, medium.com slash dailyzen, and there's a special new premium version of Daily Zen that exists at patreon.com slash dailyzen, where I post a weekly extra episode of the podcast and two exclusive essays. Um, But this is this week's free episode, and I asked everyone on Twitter what uh, topics I should discuss. I usually get between five and ten responses within the hour that I ask, and then I pick one. And uh, today's topic suggestion that I thought was most pertinent was impermanence. It's one of the central tenets, if you can call it that, of Zen. Um, It's very uh, ever-present in... Taoism, in Hinduism, um, in other types of Buddhism besides Zen. Um, But I'm going to focus on the understanding that we gain of impermanence when we practice, um, discuss a little bit about my favorite Zen teacher's uh, exploration of what that concept really means, and relate it back to how it impacts our lives and how it sort of governs a lot of the laws that we start to adapt in our own lives uh, when we practice spirituality, either knowingly or not. So I want to start by reading a little passage from the Shobo Genzo, which is a book by Zen master Dogen, um, who is one of the founders of what we now uh, call Zen. I mean, he he really modernized it and um, diverged from the old orthodoxy in a way that has been extremely influential, and much of what I discuss is deeply influenced by his works. Uh, the Shobo Genzo is a massive thousand-page collection of all of his writings and um, Dharma talks throughout his various monastic cycles in his life. Um, and it's very interesting. There's a lot of stuff that is difficult to understand in it because there's a lot of cultural stuff that relies on um, various stories that were passed down uh, throughout the lineages, but there's also a significant amount of very, very simply stated but deeply powerful prose that I think highlights a lot of the fundamental contradictions and principles that I've tried to outline here. Um, so Dogen says on page 30 of the Shobo Genzo, To study the way of enlightenment is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to be actualized by myriad things. When actualized by myriad things, your body and mind, as well as the bodies and minds of others, drop away. No trace of enlightenment remains, and this no trace continues endlessly. When you first seek Dharma, you imagine you are far away from its environment. At the moment when Dharma is authentically transmitted, you are immediately your original self. When you ride in a boat and watch the shore, you might assume that the shore is moving. But when you keep your eyes closed on the boat, you can see that the boat moves. Similarly, if you examine myriad things with a confused body and mind, you might suppose that your mind and essence are permanent. When you practice intimately and return to where you are, it will be clear that nothing at all has unchanging self. And I think this is the best exploration. I mean, this goes on for pages and pages, and it's very... um, very interesting. Uh, I'll read one more passage in a bit. But um, the concept of impermanence is commonly understood when we first encounter it as things happen, everything comes and goes, um, the past is 
not real. The future isn't real. The things we experience in the present don't last. Um, suffering doesn't last. Happiness doesn't last. Nothing lasts. But I think the deeper thing that it's important to get at, and I think the thing that sort of emerges in our minds when we meditate, is this idea that nothing at all has unchanging self. Excuse me. Nothing at all has unchanging self. I said that with a lisp for some reason. Um, you know, what does that mean? It, it sort of is this almost scientific idea that we're constantly shifting and changing and we're constantly in flux. Um, there's not a thing in the world that isn't subject to the laws of entropy and decay and growth and, you know, everything. Um, things are always moving and they're not always moving in a progressive way and they're not always moving in a retrogressive way. They're just always moving. And that's what we start to realize when we practice. And I think the reason we realize that when we practice is because in practicing, we're taking a step back from what we call the self and examining what we are, who we are, what pops up when we give our mind the, the freedom to take the stage and do what it wants and um, sort of flow naturally in a quiet and peaceful environment. And we see that it's constantly, every day there's something different going on up there. Every day there's something different to observe. Maybe some days there's not a lot going on. Other days it's pure chaos. And when we sit and we practice, we just sort of get to know ourselves better in this way. And we recognize this idea that uh, nothing at all has unchanging self. And this runs contrary to some other spiritual traditions who which like to um, talk about this idea of a true self or a permanent self that exists beneath all of the conditioning and all of the thoughts and all of that. And I, for a long time, mistook that to mean that if I sat for long enough and I practiced for long enough and I was patient and conscious of the movements of my mind that I would eventually be able to let all of the dust clear and see myself as I truly am. But I think the, the plot twist there uh, that's a very important part of the spiritual journey, at least in my experience, is to see that the fundamental self that we hope to see when we let go of all of our conditioning and all of this sort of fluff that exists on top of our self, the self that exists under there, the true self, if you want to call it that, a lot of writers, um, especially Eckhart Tolle and Adyashanti and um, sort of more new age writers uh, like that, describe the the deepest awareness of yourself as the true self. We see that the true self is in fact, not this absolute static um, thing that, that we can understand as it is, that's unchanging, but it is instead this state of flux, this state of natural constant change uh, that it's impossible to completely keep up, keep up with. It's impossible to, pin it down in the way that we think we can pin it down. And this relates back to our broader practice at large because everything is related to that. The way you experience the world in its entirety is related to the way you understand yourself and the way yourself understands everything else. And if you think in this logic that there's a true self to uncover, there's an enlightenment to attain, there's a magical state of success that will make you happy. There's an amount of money that will make you satisfied. 
there's a number of sexual partners or a type of spouse or whatever that will make you satisfied, um, or a, a number of travel destinations or world cuisines or books read or anything, any of this stuff, any of the stuff we do in the world and any of the stuff we do in our own heads. If we define any of those results as being absolute in the way that we think the true self is absolute, we won't find them. And that's precisely because the true self is, as Dogen says, um, incapable of being unchanging. It's always in flux. It's always moving and it's always shifting. And what you wanted yesterday isn't quite the same as what you want today. Uh, and what you're capable of achieving yesterday isn't quite the same of what you're, as what you're capable of achieving today. And if we tried to objectively and rationally pick apart and deconstruct everything about ourselves and all of our motivations and all of our psyche, we'd go crazy. I mean, it would be, it would be truly an impossible thing to do. And the same way that we can't objectively and scientifically understand the root of where consciousness comes from exactly. I mean, you know, there's neuroscience has made great advances, but there's still this sort of mystery about consciousness. We can't understand where this sense of the, the unchanging self comes from, but it's there and it's behind everything we do. It's behind all of our motivations, everything we do, everything we think, everything we feel, they're all deeply interrelated and they're all connected with this unchanging, um, sorry, with this changing self. And when we counter that process, which is occurring throughout our entire lives and we're always participating in it, um, but we try to deny it by defining ourselves in opposition to it with some sort of declaration of I am this, I am that, um, this is where I belong, this is where I don't belong, this is who I'm supposed to be with, this is not who I'm supposed to be with, this is what I'm supposed to believe, this is what I'm not supposed to believe, this is what I like, this is what I don't like. And in Zen you see all of these discussions about preferences and judgments and conceptualizations of the world that are a um, attempt to pin down all of this stuff that we try very hard um, to pin down. And the irony is that it can't be pinned down. And when we sit and meditate, all of the incredible changes that slowly start to occur in people's personalities that they discuss um, occur not as a result of some sort of magic physiological function or spiritual function or divine intervention or anything. They just come from the the slow realization that um, this self within the self is always changing and it's always shifting. And if you try to pin it down, it's going to disappoint you the same way that having too many expectations about the future is going to disappoint you because the world is always changing in the same way that you are always changing. Um, and there isn't a way that we can really fix that or solve that. And it's not something to be fixed or solved. In fact, it's something to be embraced and enjoyed uh, and appreciated, I think, for what it is. Um, and I have, let me find that there's a quote from Alan Watts that I think is applicable here. He was a student of Dogen and other Zen masters. He's a little bit kind of shifts from the spiritual master to entertainer role frequently. But um, let me find this quote. Um Okay, here. 
We have made a problem for ourselves by confusing the intelligible with the fixed. We think that making sense out of life is impossible unless the flow of events can somehow be fitted into a framework of rigid forms. To be meaningful, life must be understandable in terms of fixed ideas and laws, and these in turn must correspond to unchanging and eternal realities behind the shifting scene. But if this excuse me, but if this what making sense if this is what making sense out of life means, we have set ourselves the impossible task of making fixity out of flux. Um, and so I think after a long enough time of practicing and trying to explore this, at the, at least at this point in my life, I think that um, this flux is sort of the the ultimate rule that governs pretty much everything. And there's not necessarily always a rhyme or reason to it. Um, it's very mysterious and it's always going and it's always reliant on so many different external factors and internal factors that um, can sort of fire at their own will. There's not really any real governance that we can do to pin them down fully and whenever we try to pin them down fully we create so many problems i mean you could really if you really did a um some mental gymnastics i think you could attribute every problem in the world and every problem in your personal life to this idea that uh, we need to force things to be one way when they're another way we want force pleasures and happiness to be permanent when they're not uh, we want to force ourselves to stay happy and stay interested and um, stay intrigued by life when sometimes it's not possible uh, we want to force ourselves to experience a certain degree of excitement and success um, or to experience a certain degree of spiritual satisfaction or whatever it is and um, the more we try to fit the very complex and uh, nuanced experience we have into these sort of molds, the more difficult it is to truly appreciate every day and every week or whatever for what it is, um, because it is this constantly changing, um, fluctuating, chaotic system. Uh, and there's so many opportunities to enjoy the spontaneity and the, the sort of grand dance of that, you know? And that's what Alan Watts spoke about that a lot. And Dogen speaks about that a lot. Um, in relation to this, there's a, a portion in this text um, later on that says, um, yeah, okay. A fish swims in the ocean, and no matter how far it swims, there's no end to the water. A bird flies in the sky, and no matter how far it flies, there's no end to the air. However, the fish and the bird have never left their elements. When their activity is large, their field is large. When their need is small, their field is small. Thus, each of them totally converts, excuse me, each of them totally covers its full range, and each of them totally experiences its realm. If the bird leaves the air, it will die at once. If the fish leaves the water, it will die at once. Know that water is life and air is life. The bird is life and the fish is life. Life must be the bird and life must be the fish. You can go further. There is practice enlightenment which encompasses limited and unlimited life. Now, if a bird or a fish tries to reach the end of its element before moving in it, this bird or fish will not find its way or its place. When you find your place where you are, practice occurs, actualizing the fundamental point. When you find your way at this moment, practice occurs, actualizing the fundamental point. For the place, the way is neither large nor small, neither yours nor others. The place, the way, has not carried over from the past and is not merely arising now. Accordingly, in the practice enlightenment of the Buddha way, to attain one thing is to penetrate one thing. 
To meet one practice is to sustain one practice. Here's the place. Here the way unfolds. The boundary of realization is not distinct, for the realization comes forth simultaneously with the full experience of Dharma. Do not suppose that what you attain becomes your knowledge and is grasped by your intellect. Although actualized immediately, what is inconceivable may not be apparent. Its emergence is beyond your knowledge. So I just love the, the playing with words that even in translation you can really pick up on where um, we're exploring these sort of the stuff in between, all of the the what's happening when everything is constantly in motion. Um, what's happening when you want to see things in isolation and you want to see them clearly, but they're all moving and swirling around and there's not really any way for you to pin them down. The way to practice and the way to experience what Dogen calls enlightenment is to embrace the fact that this is unchangeable in its change ability. It's, there's no way to change the fact that everything is constantly changing. There's no way to escape that water that is life or that air that is life. This is the, this is the stuff that we live in and it's the existence that we happen to have uh, in this universe or whatever, you know, on this earth or whatever you want to say. And so to embrace the way things are and to try to uncover a little bit more of how they are instead of stubbornly projecting our own desires and ideologies and beliefs and concepts onto this world is what the, it's what the practice is. It's what we're fundamentally doing when we meditate. And it's what Zen in a way is all about. Um, because when we, when we suffer and we grab at stuff and we try to fit life into these different molds, um, it's kind of like trying to very, to very clearly make out the details of a baseball while it's flying through the air. Um, and the, the ultimate joke at the end of it is that the baseball just keeps flying through the air and we keep trying to see exactly what's inscribed on it, but we can't because it's just going to keep moving. And that's a, a significantly less eloquent metaphor than, uh, Dogen or Alan Watts, but I think it's a interesting way to understand what's going on. Um, and that's all comes from this simple experience of sitting in silence and, and peace and accepting everything that comes and goes in our minds and seeing that our minds really are, even, even when they're completely peaceful, they're still very active and they're still all, always this moving and this change and this building and breaking down and entropic processes that are going on. And the more carefully we watch that, I think the more carefully we start to watch the same forces, which are these deep, mysterious, natural forces that are at work in the world. And we can step back a little bit more and, and not take things quite so seriously and uh, enjoy things that maybe we didn't think we could enjoy before when we were trying to fit life into a, a rigid mold. Um, and I think the other way to achieve this understanding is to just to try to question yourself and try to question those um, those absolute things a little bit more to try to not rebel or try to um, try to destroy anything or try to really go against any sort of established thing because I think that's misguided too. Um, what's important I think is just to observe the way that ideas work, observe the way thoughts work, observe the way people relate to objects and the way you relate to people and the way you relate to objects and thoughts and feelings, 
all this observation is like a form of listening deeply in a this large conversation that we're having with both ourselves and the world um and if we listen for long enough and carefully enough i think we there's a lot to be learned there's a lot of knowledge and a lot of wisdom that will come from that um and where it will take you is a uh, just as much of a mystery as anything else <laughs> but i hope it takes you somewhere that you appreciate um thank you for listening i very much like this uh, new format of using some reference text and so i'm going to continue to do that in future episodes if you are a fan of what I do on Daily Zen, I hope that you will become a subscriber at Patreon. Um, the longer form discussions that are going on there are very interesting and inspiring to me. I'm, I'm always thrilled when people have thoughtful, long responses to stuff instead of sort of just the usual Twitter noise. Um, and so if that's what you're looking for, I hope you'll consider trying it out. You can always unsubscribe if you don't like it and um, make some sort of contribution of your own to the discussion. Um, Feel free to contact me at any time on Twitter with uh, suggestions for topics or comments. Uh, yeah, thank you for listening.